Hi, I'm Annette Rue, and this is Ruminate on That. Hi, it's good to be back with you again as we continue talking through this amazing yet challenging season of rehabilitation. I want to dive into some of the benefits, but also the processes of rehab today. And there are a lot of benefits. This is by no means an exhaustive list, but these are just a few that really leaped off the page for me when I was doing research. The first one is that a therapist is going to help fix faulty movement patterns. Pain is normal during the healing process. Even if you think about when you were like six years old and you fell off your bike and scraped up your knee, as it heals, it does hurt and it itches and it's uncomfortable. It's a normal part of the healing process. But ongoing chronic pain is not normal. And it may mean that something else is happening. If you have an injury or chronic pain, Physical therapy can help address the underlying issues that are causing it. The spiritual connection to this is so powerful. Not only can it provide pain relief, but it can also help you make corrections to prevent ongoing problems in the future. Often physical therapy is enough to address an injury and get you back in the game. Some people literally avoid surgery altogether just by completing the process of physical therapy. That's a powerful testimony to how the body can be corrected and heal itself. Here's some of the application for me. For me, there were some issues that surfaced during this recovery season that I didn't realize needed to be addressed. I was spending time with God and seeking his wisdom and healing for the recent events. But in that process, he dug even deeper and pulled out some hurts from the past that I didn't realize were still causing pain. The fact that they were still there after years had passed meant that some of the old pain had been stacked up on top of the new pain, making it even more intense. If I hadn't realized that, I could have potentially punished some of the people in this recent event for things that they actually had nothing to do with. I had to reach back and allow God to show me what had not healed from before. And listen, I didn't intentionally ignore it. I wasn't avoiding it. More than likely, I probably didn't take enough time to recover in the past. That is one of the very important lessons I'm learning now. The next thing that can come from this therapeutic process is that it can prevent buildup of scar tissue. After an injury or surgery, It is natural for scar tissue to form. It's actually part of the miraculous process of healing that God designed. We wouldn't be able to withstand some of the pain without that scar tissue. However, it's important to prevent the buildup of scar tissue because that can actually cause long-term pain and tightness, and it can restrict future movement and mobility. Wow, if it's God's mercy and I believe it is, that during the initial phase of recovery, we can almost feel numb at times. That reminds me of the scar tissue. 
the waves of emotions that keep rolling over you over and over. And it can really pound you after a while. It can be exhausting. Whether it's grief or anger or betrayal or frustration or fear, sometimes it feels relentless in those heated moments. But because God loves us so much, he has literally wired us with certain protections. Our minds will actually just shut down for a while. You've probably experienced this when you just can't cry anymore. You kind of zone out for a while. You find yourself not able to even really focus. You've probably felt numb. And it doesn't last long, and it shouldn't, honestly. But it does give you a much-needed break. I really believe that is the mercy of God. I also think, and this is totally just my opinion, I also wonder if that's part of a, a protective process that God has put in the minds of us when we're children, and especially children that experience severe abuse, that they suppress those memories because they literally just cannot deal with them. But also in God's mercy, that cannot last forever. It gives you a sense of arrest. And it's so helpful to get through it when the waves are pounding against you. But you can't afford to try to hang on to that feeling. Some people self-medicate to try to stay numb. I understand it. I absolutely understand it. But allowing that scar tissue to build up and permanently shut out those emotions will cause major problems in the long run. Losing all of your feelings sounds really good when you're in pain and it hurts so much. But it's awful when you find yourself unable to love someone deeply or to laugh uncontrollably or to worship God passionately or empathize with someone in pain. Emotional scar tissue will numb out the depths of human emotion, even the good ones that we don't want to lose. Another way that this rehab process helps is that it stretches tight muscles and joints. Oh, I have to tell you, this one made me laugh several times. And I especially read uh, some material from Harvard Medical School being stretched. I mean, if you've been in church for any amount of time, you've heard that term used constantly. And so as I read this, I just laughed because I was like, wow, this is so obviously an easy spiritual connection. It's just too common for me. <laughs> in rehab, stretching is important for so many reasons. And I'm really going to unpack this a little more in detail. And I think you'll be able to make the spiritual connections right away. In general, I think stretching in this context is connected to our spiritual practices. That's the angle I'm coming at it from. That rhythm and the routine of how we regularly connect to God. So in other words, it's where our faith and trust are really walked out and visible, really stretched, if you will. I'll share a few things that it meant for me in detail. Stretching helps to maintain or increase flexibility and range of motion. So developing spiritual habits, developing habits in general, are very helpful when they are good habits. They can help grow in faithfulness and obedience to God just by that repetition. But when habits become a ritual, they can turn rigid. The definition of a habit is actually a behavior that's repeated until it ultimately becomes almost subconscious. Guys, we do not want spiritual practices to be subconscious. 
they are intended to be relational. We are intended to be very connected to the practice. So the flexibility comes for me in this place in those daily spiritual practices. They are not intended to be a daily duty or a checkbox on your to-do list. God isn't impressed with your mindless commitment to a task. He is looking for your regular desire to engage with him. He doesn't want your obligation. He wants to capture your heart, and he wants you to know his heart. It's a relationship with a person, a divine and holy person, but a person. And since he is a dynamic, mysterious, and wonderful person, we need to stay flexible and consistent with those relational practices. In Matthew 15, 8, Jesus said, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. For he wrote, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Doing something ritualistic is not relational and it does not honor God. If you are bored with the daily stretching of your spiritual practices, change it. There should be a wide range of motion within those daily habits. Another thing about stretching is without regular stretching, the muscles shorten and they become tight. And then when you're calling on those muscles for a necessary activity, they're weak and unable to extend all the way. That puts you at risk for joint pain, strain, and muscle damage. Sometimes I think the American version of Christianity can sound like a request for ultimate comfort. I referenced this at the end of the last episode. It's like we're praying, God, please keep all calamity, sadness, discomfort, frustration, financial need, and stress far from me. In Jesus' name, I pray here in the United States of America. Amen. But here's the thing. In order to stretch, you have to have tension. In order to grow, there must be tension. There must be a pull and a push from within. The tension of stretching our faith is completely uncomfortable. Without the tension, no faith is required. When we just float along in comfort, we don't need muscles of faith and trust. If that is our ultimate goal, a stress-free life, then we can count on our muscles growing short and tight, inflexible, weak. If the muscles are completely still and comfortable for long periods of time, they will waste away And that is what is called atrophy. Faith and trust, without any regular tension, are muscles that will deteriorate and become useless to you. Another element is when tight muscles are suddenly called on for strenuous activity that stretches them. They can become damaged from that sudden stretching. Injured muscles may not be strong enough to support the joints, which can lead to yet another injury. To me, this is all about spiritual laziness. Spiritual laziness always, always results in injury. Sometimes we think we're okay because we're saying, well, I'm not rejecting God. I still believe in God. I just don't pursue him. I don't try to spend time with him. That is the equivalent of laying on the couch for days and days and then expecting to jump up and get into a 5K because your other runner friends are doing it. You might look okay for a few minutes, 
but the evidence of your laziness will show very quickly and the tension, the bad tension inside your body will mount. What is so ironic, and I I say this because I think I've even done this myself, is that when we collapse from injury during the race that we never trained for, we often shake our fist at God and say, how could you let this happen to me? I love you. I believe in you. This is what can happen when you demand performance from muscles that you never trained. You want flexibility. You want strength when you never applied any attention. And then we're frustrated with God. Spiritual laziness results in injury every time. The next element is that healthy, flexible muscles are important to keeping a person balanced. Wow, do I even need to say much about that? First of all, I think that we should be careful about aiming our lives toward balance. I personally think that that's really kind of a myth that we can't actually achieve. And maybe it would be better if and more helpful if we would just define it differently. I think most of us picture a teeter-totter or the old-fashioned scale that you put weights on each side to get it to perfectly balance out in the middle. And here's the reality. That's just not going to happen in life. Things are moving and shifting too frequently. Perhaps we should think about balance more in terms of having the ability to know how to counter when one side is growing too heavy. An awareness that if it's not countered, things could tip over completely. And that awareness helps us keep things somewhat even, but recognizing they're probably always shifting. For me, the Holy Spirit is crucial to this awareness. I heard Christine Kane talk about this once at a conference, and it was such a relief to me. Achieving balance in the first way that I described it is definitely how I had pictured it leading up to that point, and it results in me always feeling like a failure. She talked about how her, she puts her trust in the Holy Spirit, and that's what she relies on. She doesn't strive for, strive for balance. She trusts him to nudge her when something needs to be countered or shifted. That has brought a lot of freedom in my life. And healthy, flexible muscles are able to do that counter action, to lean back and forth as needed in order to maintain that balanced posture. So that means those muscles need to be healthy. They need to be flexible to help you achieve that new version of balance that we're talking about. The last thing when it comes to stretching is that it takes weeks to months to get flexible in the first place, and you'll have to continue working on it to maintain it. For how long? Forever. It's not a process that you're ever going to stop. How do you feel you're doing with flexibility in your spiritual life, especially after enduring something that is difficult? Where is your level of faith and trust after this big gut punch. And listen, it's completely understandable that you would feel a bit stiff and hesitant for a while. And just like physical therapy, it's going to take some time to get that flexibility back, to feel safe again with a wide range of movement, and even to step back into the game feeling like you're ready. When we're talking about rehabilitation, There are some really beautiful things that are true about it, 
And I, again, I love how our physical body and God's intentionality in its creation can teach us so much about who he is. I'm not trying to over-spiritualize every little thing. That's not my intention. This is just a picture that God has used to really bring some fresh revelation to me. And another part of this process is that consistent rehab leads to strengthening. Physical therapy will help you strengthen the muscles associated with your injury, as well as the surrounding muscles, which can help reduce strain on certain joints. Rehab doesn't only focus on the injured part. You strengthen the surrounding muscles in the whole body so that it supports total health. Have you ever seen someone who only lifts weights to develop their upper body, but they have like pencil legs? It not only looks ridiculous, that imbalance will result in an injury at some point because the stronger muscles are going to take on more than the undeveloped part of the body can handle. It would be a mistake to only focus rehab on the injured area and then stop. You may start with the injury to deal with the pain and the flexibility that's going to need to be restored. But a wise therapist is going to advise you about overall strengthening. So think about it this way. You endured a significant setback with the effects of the whiplash. But with God's patient guidance and your cooperation, you can come out of this even stronger and healthier than before. It's so tempting over time to only focus on the injury. It can actually become front and center in your life. It can become the leading headline of everything that is happening to you. It's amazing how the mind games happen. I've definitely experienced some of this in the last six months or so. Everything that's happening around you, somehow you find yourself connecting it to that original injury. And sometimes that's legitimately true. But many times it has just become so prominent in your life that you're now seeing connections when in fact it's not connected. They're completely separate things. And we have to be cautious that in our process of being restored and being healed, that we don't only obsess about the injury but that we ask God to give us perspective to have a wide range of motion again, to recognize all of the ways that he wants to heal us. And that in order to really care for that place that was injured, it's important that we take a holistic perspective of our whole life. Your mental health is so crucial when you're going through physical disease or struggle. Any doctor will tell you that. If you are depressed, if you feel hopeless, if you are discouraged, the physical healing in your body is delayed. It's scientifically proven. All of these things are so connected. God created us with this, these interconnected systems. So we can't just focus on one. If you experienced an abusive relationship or um, went through some really difficult emotional turmoil, it's so important that you seek help and emotional healing. However, you can't do that by medicating through overeating. It can remove the pain for a time, but you will have physical results. You might be having a positive emotional response, but you will have physical results and physical impact to your body and you still remain unhealthy. It's important to focus on the whole person and the health of the whole person. For me, this connects specifically to kind of the last frontier 
obviously I'm working on all areas of my life and I want to be open and teachable. But one of the last things that the Lord has shown me just in the last several months was that my physical health needed to take a greater priority. I had spent a lot of time healing spiritually, emotionally, and mentally, and it was time to also deal with my physical health and take care of my physical body because it does lead to overall wellness. I can't just focus on the emotional or the spiritual impact of what happens. I have to look at the whole person. That's how God sees us, is the whole person. He created all of the parts so intentionally and so beautifully. It's a mistake to get overly focused. If you want pain relief, improved mobility, increased strength and flexibility, and I think we all want that, and proper alignment, don't slack on this process of spiritual rehabilitation. It is so important. It's an important component of recovering from spiritual whiplash and all that has happened. What I love about this is that this is all led by the master physician. God himself is the master physician. He is the only one who can heal. Continuously developing an intimate relationship with him is crucial to this restoration process. And his word is what brings the alignment that is necessary for wholeness. We are not striving for perfection, but we are seeking to be aligned with his will and his word. He has also commissioned others in our lives to walk this with us. The therapists of this story, if you will. God will use a variety of people in the restoration season. For me, it has been a a wide variety of different kinds of people. And in some cases, people I didn't expect. Trusted friends. Family support is gold if you have that. A mentor, if you're blessed to have that in your life a pastor or other godly influences in your life. For me, even someone that was a stranger to me until a divine moment that God set up. And another one that's so crucial is a counselor or a therapist as well. In the past, in the church, there have been issues about people seeking counseling. Honestly, I have never really understood that, so I'm not going to try to speak to the why behind that right now. Apparently, Christians just aren't supposed to have problems or maybe just not show them. I'm not sure. But there are dozens and dozens of scriptures that talk about, that encourage us to seek wisdom, wise counsel, seek advice. And here's the thing. I don't love sharing when I'm in a vulnerable state either. If that's you, I get that. I don't love being vulnerable in front of just anybody. But that is one of the ways that we find ourselves ending up so isolated. We believe the lie that we're the only one. Our issues aren't fixable. They are worse than everyone else. We somehow deserve this. Those lies drive us into a place of isolation. And then that's where we are trapped in our fear and brokenness. Please hear me. You are not alone in this, especially after the last year and a half that we have all endured more than ever, we can help each other if we just acknowledge we are not always okay and admit that we need some support. It has been truly miraculous to watch God use other people to speak wisdom, encouragement, and truth into my life. And I know that he wants to do that for you too.
as they're talking, you hear it and you immediately recognize that it's true. Yet it is so specific and personalized to what you're going through. It's amazing. In moments like that, you understand God's love in a new way. You feel so understood. You feel seen. And you feel remembered. It's so easy to feel forgotten during this process of spiritual recovery. If you're anything like me, you hate being the one who needs to be taken care of. I'm just not used to it. I hate feeling needy. So I don't always love someone fussing over me. But then when it's been quiet for a while and no one's around or asking how things are going, you can easily slip into feeling forgotten. It is a confusing and a frustrating state. Being intentional to seek wise counsel through that season can help balance those times out. And God has given other people skills that he did not give you. He intentionally doesn't create self-sufficient human beings. That is by his design. So when you work toward that of being self-sufficient, not relying on anyone else, I'm not going to trust anyone else with my vulnerability, you are literally working yourself toward another whiplash event. You cannot sustain it. Ultimately, if you are in this for the long haul, if you want to live out the divine design that God has prepared for you, rehab is a crucial part of this process. I thought the extended stay, the hospital season in the picture was hard. But I'm realizing that this process of rehabilitation, back to a state of restoration and wholeness, and even greater strength and health, is actually more difficult. Partially because you're not in the receiving posture anymore. It's not, I just receive, I'm just here, and God is caring, and God is bringing things that are needed. Now I recognize, wow, that was such a blessed season, even though it was hard. In this process, you must actively participate. And you have to keep showing up day after day. When it aches, when you feel weak, when you feel defeated, you just don't think you have the energy to keep going. You just show up because even the smallest effort in the hands of our miraculous God will have amazing results. He'll take it. Even when all you have to offer is a strained and whispered, yes, he'll take it. He can work with that. In his second letter to the Corinthian church, Paul is telling them about this thorn in the flesh that he had. We don't know exactly what that means for sure, and I'm not going to get into it right now, but it's something obviously that caused Paul a lot of pain and suffering, whether that was only physical or emotional or both. In chapter 12, starting in verse 8, he's telling them something about this experience and what it's taught him. And he says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to relieve me of this. But he answered me, my grace is always more than enough for you, and my power finds its full expression through your weakness. So I will celebrate my weaknesses, because when I'm weak, I sense more deeply the mighty power of Christ living in me. So I'm not defeated by my weakness, but delighted. For when I feel my weakness and endure mistreatment, when I'm surrounded with troubles on every side and face persecution because of my love for Christ, I am made yet stronger. 
for my weakness becomes a portal to God's power. He knows it hurts. He knows you're exhausted. He knows you feel alone in it. He has been there too. Just show up and place whatever little you have in his care. Let him show you what he will do.